So as uh, uh, we're going to be in Luke, Luke chapter 10 today. Uh, as David said this morning uh, when he was doing the announcements, yeah, I was trying to preserve my voice. I, I texted all of the elders, and, uh, and, and Paul Wynn included him in that. Um, uh, a couple days ago, I was like, hey, um, so I ended up having the flu this week. So if you're here Wednesday night, that was what the problem was. With my voice, it was the flu. My bad. Um, but uh, uh, so I texted all of them on Friday. I was like, hey, my voice is starting to go. Um, any of you guys have a sermon ready? <laughs> and uh, uh, so I had three or, three or so respond like, hey, man, we can, I can figure something out if, if you need it. And so we were kind of monitoring it. And so uh, this morning, I think we'll, we'll be good. I think we'll make it through. Um, but Luke chapter 10, we're taking a week off from 1 Kings this morning. And then David, I mean David, and then uh, Adam is going to pick it back up for us next Sunday in which he's going to preach about the awesome text of Baal versus God on the mountain, and such a great, awesome story. And so uh, Adam's going to get that for us next week. But for today, uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And while you're turning there, most of the time that we... <coughs> doctor, I went to the doc care now. Doctor said I'm not contagious anymore. Um, but it's definitely flu, not COVID. I got the, got the test. It was did both of them. And, uh, and they're like, we're not used to flus anymore. It's just COVID now. So congrats. And, uh, uh, but I've got multiple drinks up here to get me through this. But most of the time, we come to the text of the Bible for a sermon or for a life group or for a quiet time or devotional. Most of the time, we come with an aim of looking for what do I need to change or what do I need to repent of? Or what truth about God is present in this text that I need to learn about? Or what is God causing me or calling or prompting me to, to go, go do? Or what area do I need to grow in? And, and so those are the general questions that we bring to a text when we come to read it or study it. And all of those are good and valid. And we do that every single week when we're coming up here to preach through what we, we go through First Kings. We're, we're learning all these different, asking these different questions of the text. But all of those questions are derivative of a more fundamental question that the text answers for us here. And that's this. Who, or better what, am I supposed to be? Who am I supposed to be? And who am I in relation to Jesus? And so in John uh, chapter 1, verse 35, if you want to keep your finger here in Luke, because uh, that's where we're going to spend all of our time, but in John chapter 1, verse 35, uh, there have been a couple guys who uh, were disciples of uh, John the Baptist, or if you've watched The Chosen, Creepy John. Um, I love that title, because he's kind of a creepy guy, John the Baptist. He just lived in the, lived in the wilderness, ate locusts, and, and it was kind of strange. And, uh, but he had some disciples who followed him. One was a guy named Andrew. And, uh, and John was walking and he saw Jesus and he told his disciples, essentially, that's the guy. He's the one who's important here. And so two of his disciples say, okay, well then I guess we're going to go follow that guy instead. And so here in verse 35, it says the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the lamb of God then two disciples, the two disciples who heard him say this and followed, uh, the two disciples who heard him say this and followed Jesus. 
When Jesus turned to notice them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. That's an important word for us, Rabbi, teacher. Where are you staying? And you can imagine Jesus with a smirk said, come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him uh, that day. It was about four in the afternoon. And so John had these, he's, these disciples who were following him in this rabbinical relationship in which he was the rabbi or the teacher, and these two guys were the ones who were supposed to be following and learning and observing from him. But then John turns and he says, listen, that's the guy you need to follow. And so they turn and start to follow Jesus. And they come up to Jesus and they say, hey, and he says, what are you looking for? And they answer him in this, with another question of where are you staying? What their meaning is, where are you going? Because we want to go and we want to sit down with you and we want to have a chat. They said, we understand that you're a rabbi and we are not rabbis. We're people who need to learn. And so we want to go where you're going because we want to hear what you're having to say. And Jesus hears that response, and he's like, okay, come on. Come with me, and you'll see where I'm going. And so the, the call of the people who are going to follow Jesus are to, are, to, are to filter into this specific role of being a disciple, someone who comes to Jesus, and he says, come, and you'll see. Come and learn from me. Come and observe. Come and grow under me. Come and observe my methods of living in the world, of working in the world. And so every bit of this is about coming and sitting down and hearing from him. Why? Because he is the rabbi. He is the teacher. He is the one who knows and holds wisdom and the one who gives things to us. We are not that. We are the people who need to hear. We are the people who need to sit and who need to listen. So there's implied within the relationship of being a disciple, there's, there's this implied truth that you and I are not a complete product. You and I are not a complete product. We are not now what we could be in the future and what God will make us to be eventually. You and I are still sinful. We are still finite. We are still not all wise and so we need a rabbi. We need someone, a teacher that we come and we sit under and we observe from and we learn from. That is what we need. And so here, this is the, the method. The Bible talks about it all the time. We talk about it all the time in here. Sanctification or the process of becoming like Christ or Christ-like. Well, that is the process of being a disciple. That's how you, the method is being a disciple. So when you responded positively to the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you heard that Jesus died on the cross and he resurrected from the dead, and that when he did that, that you believe through faith that that death and resurrection applies to you and your life, that your sins are forgiven, that God has adopted you personally into his family, that you are restored into a right relationship with him. When you believe, respond to the gospel, that that means something for you in your life, then waiting at that point to become a disciple of Jesus. That is what you're committing to. You are committing to become a disciple of Rabbi Jesus. Now that, I tell you all that as the background for what we're going to look at here next in Luke, okay? So everyone turn to Luke with me. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 
You might ask, why are we taking a break from 1 Kings and going here this week? I don't know. I just kind of felt like it. And uh, why would this text? I don't know. I just stumbled on it and thought it was helpful. So look at the text with me, verse 38. While they were traveling, he, meaning Jesus, and all of his entourage entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, the, asked Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. Everything is always infinitely worse when it's a sibling who's messing with you. And the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we look into his word this morning. So, Father, we come before you, and we pray that you would open up our eyes, open up our minds to hear what you want to say to us through your word. And so we ask the Spirit to speak to us and lead us to be people who are firmly committed as disciples of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So many uh, people, not everyone, but many people enjoy hosting people in their homes. Um, and so when we moved here, uh, we, we, had a, we had a strange house in Angleton where we lived. It was really, it was a strange home where we're, like all of, the, every, all of the space in the home was a master bedroom. And then every other area in the home was like a size of a closet. It was a bizarre floor plan. Um, but when we moved here, uh, we we basically we found one home that was available, and we took it. And uh, um, but in the, it has worked out perfectly for us because it's all just one big room, and we have an island. But it's been like Dara's dream thing because um, it allows easily for us to be able to have people come over, and uh, and so if you we've got. Uh, our, our big kitchen table, and then we have an island uh, bar thingy that you have four or five seats on, and, and so kids can always sit up there, and you have people sit around the table. So Dara adores, the, adores this place because we can very easily uh, set food out and invite people over and, and host things. And so Dara loves hospitality stuff. Um, she loves getting things ready. She loves you know, having the house clean. It's always an excuse to get the house cleaned is when you have people coming over, you know. And so, so she, loves, she loves doing that. Mary, I mean, Martha, is in that same position. So, so Jesus and his entourage have now just entered into this village. And this woman named Martha is like, oh, yeah, I have an island. I got a new, just new, cool new home. I got an island. Come over. Like, Jesus you're a cool guy. You, all your friends, come over. I'll host you all at my house. I got crock pots going with roasts already, and so it's going to be great. And so you guys just come over and get ready. Now, what corresponds with inviting people into your home? A lot of cleaning, a lot of cooking, a lot of making sure everything's vacuumed, a lot of making sure all the bathrooms from your kids who are potty training are not blown up. 
You got to make you got to go through all of these different scenarios to make sure everything is fine for people to come over. Well, Martha is filled with these things. She's welcomed these people and implied in the text is into our home. She's she's filled with this this idea of inviting people over to this hospitable thing. But think about this: it's not just inviting buddies to come over or some random dude to come over. Like think of like the monumentous event of having the Rabbi Jesus, who people know about, who's doing miracles. He's coming into the village and says, "You come to my house." Come stay at my house. Come eat my roast. I've got this stuff ready for you. And so it's a big occasion. She wants this thing to be going well. She wants, she wants it to be smooth. She wants it to be clean. She wants them to, everyone to have a good time. And so it's a big task for her. And she's not begrudging it. She's excited about this. And she's got this whole entourage. There's a lot of people coming over. And so she is excited to welcome them, in, welcome them into her home. Now, as this is get go, getting going, the night's going along. People are hanging out. She looks over in verse 39. She had a sister named Mary, probably younger sister. You know, just their relationship. It's probably younger. I I mean, that's purely subjective. I don't know. But it's kind of, it seems like an older sister getting mad at a younger sister here. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet. So Jesus was in there sitting around the table and she was sitting at his feet and says she was listening to what he said. But verse 40, but Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And so there's Rabbi Jesus is hanging out at her home and she looks over and her sister Mary is sitting down at his feet listening to what he has to say. But Martha, verse 40, was distracted by her many tasks, her service, her ministry, her preparations for the meal. So cooking, getting drinks for everyone, uh, making sure that things were served, making sure there were enough forks out, all that. She was concerned with all these things. But the interesting thing about distracted is it's in the passive voice. Um, and I, I just found this interesting. Um, because it's like being distracted almost just happened to her. It wasn't active. It was passive. And so she was there, and Rabbi Jesus is hanging out in her home, and then being distracted snuck up on her, and she became in thinking, filled with thinking about all these tasks that she needed to get done. And it's like, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing of being a passive because it's not just like most people, if you've got someone coming over your house and you're trying to get things done, like you're not actively figuring out how can I get out of this situation with this person? Most of the time, it's just kind of like, oh no, that needs to be done. Oh no, that needs to be done. Oh no, that needs to be done. And it just kind of builds and it's just a, something that happens to you. You're not actively saying, I want to be disengaged from this person. It just kind of happens. And so she was distracted by her many tasks, her serving. And what this happened to do in her life in this moment is it led to a disregard for Jesus and his teaching at that moment. Why? She wasn't anti-Jesus. She wanted to be in there listening to him. She was pumped to have him in her home. Like that's what she wanted was to be doing what Mary was doing in the moment. But at, the, at that time, the tasks that were facing her were valued as higher than listening to Jesus. And like, if she could, t- if you could remove her from that moment and she could just look at this objectively and say, which do you think, Martha, is more important? Listening to the Son of God, 
or doing dishes? Which one do you think is more? Like any reasonable person is going to look at that and say, well, listening to Jesus is probably more important than doing the dishes. But in the, in the midst of everyday life, when you're trying there, you've got people in your home and you've got these other things that you need to get done. It's so easy, so commonplace for you and me and people like Martha to become distracted by these other tasks that need to be done. And so look what it leads her to do. She came up. She was distracted by her many tasks. And so she came up to Jesus while he's teaching and asks, Lord, don't you care that my sister here has left me to serve alone? Tell her to get up and help me. Amazing. That's an amazing sense. Like, why would she act this way? Why would she react this way? Well, again, like I said earlier, when it's your sibling who's doing something to you, it's heightened. The injustice is worse. But I don't know. Is she type A or is she just worried about, like, offending or, like, not living up to what her guests think should be taking place? I don't know what's happening with her. I don't know her. Um, but, but not only is Mary not helping, in her mind, in Martha's mind, Jesus is witnessing this great injustice and is doing nothing about it. And so because he's doing nothing about it, he's perpetuating it. And so that leads her to then to give Rabbi Jesus an imperative, a command. She, t- she turns to him and she's like, stop your teaching right now. Tell her to get up and serve with me. What is... What a strange thought. What a strange thought. Well, what was Mary doing? She was taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus. She was putting herself in the place of a true disciple, sitting at his feet, listening to his teaching. But here's a question about Martha. Do you think it was wrong to have tasks No. In fact, do you think all these tasks needed to be done eventually? Yes. If you have a bunch of people hanging out of your house for a dinner party, you probably need to supply food. You probably need to make sure the bathroom, your boys haven't damaged the bathroom. You probably need to make, you probably need to handle certain things. Like, so having tasks is not the bad thing. The problem for Martha is that all of these tasks for being distracted were elevated to the position of being distracting against what was more important in that moment. That's what was happening for her. And so how often uh, in my life, in my life, at my house, man, it happens day in and day out. There's always more things that I got to do, okay? There's always, there's always more dishes that need to be done. There's always another load of laundry that needs to be done. There's always, there's always some, I don't know, some house thing that needs to be done. There's always another kid that needs to be, or June, I guess, needs to be taken to school. There's always another lunch that needs to be made. There's always more dinner that needs to be made. There's always, there's always more preparations that need to be made for the dinner that you're going to have later on. There's always, there's always another toy that needs to be picked up in the living room because when you picked them up last time, the kids went and got six more and brought them into the living room. There's always another one that needs to be picked up. Like there's always another task 
that takes, and, 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 and so as I'm doing a task, I'm putting the dishes away, or I'm, I'm trying to start the lawnmower because I forgot to start it earlier, and so now the carburetor's all gunked up, and I'm trying to, trying to get that, you know? And so I'm trying to do these different tasks, and all of a sudden, I've, got, I've always got another boy or a kid who's coming up, and they, they say, hey, Dad, can you swing me? Or, hey, Dad, can you give me some milk? Or, hey, hey Dad, can you hold me? Or, Dad, can I do... And every nine times out of the ten, I, I'm, I'm responding like, well, yeah, okay, I'll, after I get this done, or after I get this task done. Like most of the times I'm saying, not right now, I got another task to do. Well, how much more in the same way, like do I live my spiritual life in the same exact manner as that? How often do I neglect to spend time at the feet of Christ because I have another task I've got to get done? Because I've got to go, because I've got to get my kid to school, and I've got to get a lunch made, I've got to get ready, I've got to get to work, I've got to get that spreadsheet open, I've got to go to that first class, I've got to, like, I've got all these tasks in my life that I've got to get to because I've got this thing that I've got to handle. And so I've, and then I look up and I think, you know, I probably need to spend time with Jesus in a quiet time and like reading my Bible and I look up and it's been a week or it's been a month or it's been two months or six months since the last time I did that. All of my tasks, even my good tasks for Jesus, my sermon writing, takes precedence over simply just being a disciple and sitting at the feet of Jesus and saying, what do you want to say to me? It happens time in and time out, and we struggle to fit everything in because we're so busy. And our tasks, even the ones for Jesus, distract us from the one thing that is most important. Look what he says in verse 41. The Lord, Jesus, answered Martha. And this, this is unbelievably interesting about this guy. Is that he is the, he is the authority figure in the room, right? And everyone who, who deals with uh, employers or is in, in, a, in a situation, like you always know you appeal up, you demand down, right? In authority structures. You don't, dem- like, you don't go to your boss and give him a command. That doesn't go well. In this situation, Martha went over to Jesus and said, stop teaching, tell her to do this. And many of us, if we've been in the situation in which we've said that and immediately you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said that in that manner or I shouldn't have said it in that way. I should have reworded that email. You think, oh, I'm not going to like what I hear next. But Jesus, this unbelievably kind, interesting guy, turns to her. What does he say? He's Martha. I see that you're worried or you're anxious. This word, same word. I see that you're anxious and upset about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. Here is what he did not just say. Your tasks are bad. He didn't say that. Most are, are really important, actually. Dishes, dinner, laundry, clothing, or cleaning, getting kids to school, uh, getting lunches made, getting homework done, getting the spreadsheet, cr- spreadsheet created, getting to class. All those things are, are important. All those things are important. He's not saying stop having tasks. What he's saying is this. Among all things that you have going on in your life, Among all things, you need to be reminded 
that the only task that is truly necessary or that is the of highest importance is being a disciple. That's what he just told her. He said, of all things you've got going on, you need to be reminded that the highest importance, the thing of highest importance, is simply being a disciple. Here's what he's telling her in a, my translation. Martha, breathe. Breathe. Just take a moment to sit at his feet. Sit at my feet. Learn from me. Here's the thing, is that your soul needs to sit and hear from your rabbi Jesus. That is what we need. So he's teaching Martha this, this thing. He's saying, he's saying, you, because you believed in the gospel, because you've submitted your life to follow me, you are a disciple now, and so don't neglect it. Breathe. And take a moment to sit at my feet. Put your things in proper perspective. And so as the band comes up, you need to hear the word of Jesus this morning. Because all of you, all of, all of us, be included are infected with busyness, with tasks. And that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have things going on. In fact, it'd be pretty bad if you didn't have a task that was necessary. But in the midst of all those things, Jesus is giving us a reminder that it is so easy for you and me to become distracted and to elevate those higher than where they really need to be. And so this morning, for this week, this is what Jesus tells us, is in the middle of all of the tasks, remember that you are a disciple if you have given your life to follow Jesus. And so stop for a moment, breathe, and sit at his feet. And so what does that look like practically? Take a moment in the morning, Take 10 minutes and open up your Bible and hear from Him. The best case or best way to do that is to have a reading plan to where you're not just thumbing through it. At that time, you're like, uh, I guess I'll read this. Oh, no, it's about Satan, okay? You know? No. Have a plan that you're reading through. Say, I'm going to read all, I'm going to read through the Gospel of Luke over the next month or two months, or I'm going to read through, I'm right now I'm doing the Bible recap through the year plan. And so I know this is the next text up. But in all this, the point is to remember you're a disciple, to stop, to breathe, and to sit at his feet. Let's pray. So Father, we come before you we thank you for your word. And at times, just the softness of it and the kindness of, of Jesus in responding to Martha, who's, who's worked up and anxious because she's just like all of us. 
with all the things that she's got going on in her life. And you see that? And so we thank you for the gentle reminder to just remember that we are disciples, that if we give our lives to follow Jesus, we are disciples of him. And the point is for us to just sit at his feet and to grow and to learn from him and to engage in that process of, of discipleship, of becoming like Christ. And so pray that you would encourage us this week to just stop and take a moment to hear from him. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you're here this morning and you have never begun a relationship with Jesus, you can. It's as we said at the beginning, how you become a disciple of Jesus is you submit your life to him as Lord or master over your life. And so he came and he died and he resurrected from the dead. And so now everyone who believes in him, who believes that God raised him from the dead will be saved. And so once you do that, you submit your life and say, I'm gonna follow you for all of my days. And that's called the discipleship. And so if that's you this morning, if you've done that or you want to do that, I would encourage you to pray to him and do that. And then you get up and you tell someone else that you did that. For everyone else, we're going to give you just a moment because while the band plays, um, to stop and turn to Him. I encourage you to pray. And acknowledge the fact that you are a disciple if you believe in Jesus. And I pray this is an encouragement, a prompt, like not something that's um, tearing down, but it's something that is motivating to encourage you to dig into your word, to spend time with him because he's there and he wants to hear from you. And so while the band plays, you respond.